Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward. Well, God is up to something big in the world. Welcome to Move Forward, Dr. Kim Moss. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Moss. And today I have with me a very special guest that I have wanted to have on this show for a very long time. I have Chris Vallotton with me today. He's an author, international speaker, cultural leader, and most of all, a spiritual father to this generation. As the senior associate leader of Bethel Church in Redding, California, and co-founder of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry and Moral Revolution, Chris has helped thousands of believers over the last 20 years realize their identity as sons and daughters of God. He is a best-selling author, has a diverse background in business counseling, consulting, pastoring, and teaching, and gives him, which gives him a unique leadership insight and perspective. He has been equipping people to successfully fulfill their divine purpose all over the world for decades. Chris lives in beautiful Redding, California with his wife of 43 years, Kathy, and their dog, Samson. I love that name. And Kathy's horse is dreamer and legend. You can find out more about Chris and his resources at chrisvolatin.com. Welcome, Chris. I'm so glad that you are here today. Thank you for coming on the show. It's I really say an that, honor to that's have probably you. the best introduction I've ever had. I, I need to bring you along so you can just like, this is who I am. I'm like, yeah, that's who I am. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think Very most good. people Thank don't you. don't know this, and uh, and maybe you don't remember either. But I have actually a long history with you, dating back to like 2009, I think it is, yeah. because we used to when our church, I was pastoring in a church that was a four square church, and we heard about. Bill Johnson, of course, and Chris Volatin. And so we started coming up to the leadership weeks. We were part of the, the oh, leadership, yeah. leadership summits that you had way back then. And uh, then, of course, I did my doctoral dissertation with Randy. And in 2012, I came up and I interviewed you for my doctoral dissertation. And uh, and then I saw you last year at the VOP and it was really fun and your message was incredible. I was recently watching uh, an Instagram live and I think that you were with Havila Cunningham and two other, two other people that I uh, the man I recognized, but I couldn't figure out who exactly it was. And um, but you were with three other people and you guys were talking about what you see prophetically in the time, which I am always, always interested in, because I think it's so important to forth tell, you know, from God's perspective, what's mm -hmm. going on in the world, what's coming, because it always has implications for how we as the body of Christ join him right in what he's doing and and help advance the kingdom so um i see you once you told me uh i think i learned this in the school of prophets but you said that um how a person receives the other person like whether they receive him as a prophet or just a pastor or just a man of god or whatever um that it releases a special grace and i i see you as a prophet i always have and um and so i'm always interested in what you have to say about the time and season but can you tell us some of what has been pressing on your heart. You talked about that you had an uh, uh, an encounter with the Lord. Yeah, I've actually had several, you know, encounters in the last uh, few months that have really, you know, shifted um, my perspective. You know, one of one of the encounters I had, I had actually had a dream, and in the dream, I saw myself as a lion on a leash, 
and uh, and and uh, and I heard the word un the lions unleashed, and then I saw myself in a golden cage as a beautiful eagle, and I immediately uh, uh, heard you love you you brag about the golden cage, and you weren't called to be in a cage; you were called to fly. And so I've been in this uh, journey of really, uh, uh, really getting back to the deeds of my first love. I woke up from that dream and I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to get back to the deeds of your, of your first love. And so I'm like, okay, what is that? And I just began to envision how it was when I first fell in love with Jesus the first 10 years. And I've been a Christian for 50 years this year. And, um, and I just uh, remember being uh, radical and mm. un unleashed and not domesticated. And so that very next Sunday was my turn to preach. And we preach four times on, on Sunday morning, if you teach, if you preach Sunday morning. And I felt the Lord just say to me, I don't want you just to preach. I want you unleashed. I want you to, I want you to, um, I want you to touch people and I want you to move in the power of the spirit. So I taught for a half an hour. You know, these are like only 40 minute <laughs> sessions, 45 minute sessions. And I got down off the stage and I just started ministering to people and, you know, seeing people get healed and prophetic words for people. And I, I just, and I just felt alive. And to the, the honest truth is uh, public ministry, especially prophetic public ministry can be very stressful and and i i have had a lot of social anxiety the last 10 years so i really ministered mostly one-on-one -on -one with people in smaller groups but the, when the lord said to me you're unleashed he actually released courage in me and strength and i actually i was i surprised myself i did four sessions of that and <laughs> i was like so alive i went home and i was like wow that was fun I had no anxiety. The prophetic words were, in my opinion, really go good and deep and specific. And so, yeah, so I, I just feel like the Lord wants to unleash the beast, you know, <laughs> beast. That's uh, uh, <laughs> you know, we don't that's have really, the beast, you that's know, really good. the lion, the lion. Yeah, that unleash is really good. Yes, yeah. I, I have felt the same thing for about a year. Uh, about a year ago, I think it was last January. Of course, last year was very difficult for me. I felt um, I wasn't depressed, but I did feel, I think, heavy and oppressed. And um, but the Lord said to me a similar thing. He said, I want you to go back to first things. And I was immediately like, did I lose my first love? God, <laughs> did I, you know, and he was like, Kim, no, no, you haven't lost your first love. But I want you to remember the things you did in the beginning when you thought that prophetic ministry was so fun yeah, and you know, and I mean, we used to do crazy things. You know, I used to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning, write scripture on a, on a wooden stake and go stake the ground somewhere, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I haven't done that in a very long time. And um, I hadn't thought about that, Chris, social anxiety. I think, I think a lot of us have suffered from that, especially mm. prophetic in prophetic ministry. Cause it's been crazy. You know, yeah. and uh, and there's been a lot going on. And so, yeah, wow, well, that's I would add too. you know, that in desperate times, people are looking for hope. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't think that people maybe understand, at least I didn't. You know, when I was young and and newly saved and moved into gifts, 
Like one of the things is that nobody knows you. So you're more like, wow, you know, who's my next going to be my next victim. <laughs> but you know, when, when you become a public person, when I, you know, and I come into a meeting, it's really common for 25 or 30 people to line up and they're all like, Hey, I have this problem. Do you have a prophetic yeah. word for me? And the tension and the anxiety uh, I, the, that that challenge can create anxiety and tension. And, and pretty soon you're, you're concerned. You get nervous about walking in a room because not because you don't love people, but because you have all these desperate people. And of course, COVID and, you know, uh, the social justice issues and all the things we've just we've all been through yeah. have created a need for more hope. And I think that, you know, Bethel is a house of miracles. And the challenge is, is that we attract people who need miracles. And <laughs> it, you know, it's great when you're, you know, can I say it's great when you're in the spirit in Lord's day, kind of like choose John's language in Revelation. But it's not so great if you're not if you're not in that spot and you got people lined up like desperate people and you're like all right here we go and you know when you do that you know uh five six seven times a week pretty soon it's it, i think it's hard for people to understand what what public ministers go through and especially prophetic people because people are looking for answers and you're trying to in, in my life i'm trying to equip the saints to do the work of service like i don't want everybody to use my phone i want to make sure your phone's hooked up <laughs> Right. I don't want to be. I don't want to be your prophet. You know, I want to be the prophet who equips the saints, so that all the attention is not on me. And so, you know, that those those and the more challenging the season, the more desperate people are, and the more they're the more they're in line, or they're they're, you know, there's so many ways to get a hold of us nowadays that there is no, there is no, uh, there's almost no place for reprieve and and to be filled up. So yes. This, I guess that's just a little insight into the life of a public, you know, minister, right? Well, yeah, and I think I think that right now we are dealing with a rate of acceleration and change that is unprecedented, totally. you know, and I think that people are needing the prophetic like never before, yeah. you know, and I have wondered if some of the things that we went through in the last few years with the prophetic, and certainly there has been a lot of thinking about how we should do this differently, what protocols need to be put in place, you think, all of that kind of thing. You think? I'm saying it very kindly. You think? <laughs> I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, personally, if I want to just get honest, I think we've been in a correction. Okay. <laughs> <You think? laughs> I mean, major. And, um, and, but I, I don't, you know, God is not condemning, right? He's not right. condemning. And so I have really felt like that was, in order to sharpen the prophetic, because we need it more than ever. Now, Sorry. you know, we are the geopolitical shifting and changes. I love to read ge geopolitics. I'm sort of a nerd that way. I read, I read a couple uh, economists here globally, and I don't, can't make sense of it all. Honestly, I'm not that smart. Um, but, uh, but I love to read it because it's so obvious that, that, um, Nations are vying for power. The shift in our time, not just in our little lives and in our country, but all over the world is so rapidly, rapidly happening, you know, that Good. I'm sure leaders are challenged. You know, people are challenged. People in our nation are like, what's. We need you unleashed. What I'm trying to say, Chris, is that we need we need 
we need the profits unleashed, really unleashed. And, yeah. and so I think that's a, a marvelous thing. That, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're learning to live like that again, undomesticated. But, you know, you know, we domesticate for a reason, right, Kim? Because what happens, you know, I mean, you don't even know you're doing it. But what happens is you're so in this critical, we're in this critical, like social media, like, like people, when they get afraid, they get critical. Yes. When you get in this critical culture and you don't realize it, but every time you do something, you get accolades, but you also get all this criticism. Yeah. And pretty soon you're like, well. You just start to withdraw from the pain and pretty soon you're like not you're not being very effective. So which yeah. is just human. Yeah. You know? totally. Which is just human to do that. So I I do want to ask you about the Isaiah 6 4. Okay. And the last couple of years, I mean, you know, when we teach on the prophetic, I've always talked about the power of words, but it has seemed uh has seemed really important lately and uh and i have shifted some things about that and i usually use the isaiah passage because you know when isaiah says when when he has this experience this sort of encounter uh with the lord and the the posts of the temple are shaking and he says you know woe is me i'm a man of unclean lips you know he has been counting on uh the the leader of his nation to be the reformer you know, yeah. and then you, Uzziah dies. And now he's like, what, you know, and, um, and he has, so then he has this encounter. So the king he's been counting on dies, but now he sees the real king, you know, but it is such a holy encounter that Isaiah, a prophet says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And you go, wow. You know, he didn't say, woe is me. I'm an adulterer. Woe is me. I, I steal. You know, it was about the words of his mouth. And I, and I feel like we're in that kind of time. And you talked about that. So would you tell us about that, Chris? And why is that important to us at this time? I know that God spoke to you about it, but what is he saying to the rest of us about it? I, I think he is saying something to the rest of us. About yeah. It. Well, to give you a little context, I, I started having these encounters and the Lord was talking to me about earthquakes and that, you know, I, I, I'm definitely the anti earthquake guy and don't think God's bringing judgment to America through earthquakes and all that. But I just began to get all these scriptures about earthquakes, about the earth shaking, the foundations of the earth shaking. And, you know, and I, I, I was astounded. I just put in the word earthquakes in my Bible program and it just came up everywhere. And I was like, well, an earthquake rolled away the stone from, you know, the tomb of Christ. An earthquake mm. shook the foundations that uh, Peter and, and John were in of the, of the prison. An uh, earthquake happened again with Paul and Silas in, in prison, and it opened up the prison doors. And, uh, and you know, uh, and then there's all these scriptures about the earthquake and the heavens and the foundations of the heaven and earth were uh, were shaken. And, and I was like, wow, there's... And I just started having these dreams about these earthquakes that were changing the tectonic plates and shifting the course of history. And part of it was uh, what I saw in the nations is that the capital cities, that capital cities were shifting and changing and capital nations, you know, like apostolic nations were shifting and where power was flowing was shifting in the nations. And and then uh, I had this uh, dream, Isaiah 6, 4. I just, I just heard Isaiah 6, 4, and I, I didn't 
know what Isaiah 6-4 was, to be honest. And I woke up and I, I looked it up and it says, the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then it goes on to say, whoa. Uh, then it says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And uh, I think you just quoted it. And I live among the people of unclean lips. And um, and then, you know, it goes on to say that the that Isaiah is like, wow, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live with people who have unclean lips. And it goes on to say the angel took uh, a coal and put it on his lips and said, your, 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 you know, your iniquity is taken away and your sins are forgiven. And I and I I woke up from that Isaiah six four. I looked up the passage, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is uh, the foundations again shaking, and the uh, the story goes on about the clean, unclean lips, and the Lord said to me, I don't want you to cuss anymore. No, I I want to be careful in my in my um, you know in my transparency. Like I, I'm not running around using the f word and you know cussing people out or anything, but I have grown up on the streets and I didn't have too much problem in expressing myself in private with using the S word or, you know, just, just that kind of stuff. And it's, it's been in my life most, most of my life. And, uh, and the Lord said, I don't want you to cuss anymore. I, uh, you are, I have a high call for your life and I need you to walk as a noble and holy man. And so, you know, what's kind of crazy is when you think about, when you have a habit or a language that is becomes part of the way you express yourself, you think that, well, this is going to be, you know, I'm 68, so this is going to be a tough road. But it hasn't. It just went away. And and that was the end of my cussing. I think I've had one, I think I've one cuss word in the last months. <laughs> and, you know, and it wasn't through, it wasn't through discipline. It was just like, well, no, it's don't don't express myself that way anymore. <laughs> and, and I feel like it's, you know, it's actually the body of Christ. God is pruning and, and purging. You know, he's pruning and purging, but it, it, he always prunes for promise. He always prunes towards promise. He doesn't prune without a promise. And he always prunes for more fruit. So, yeah, I feel like we're going through that kind of, you know. I, I think that we're just coming to a place, don't you think, that we're, like holiness is a big deal. I feel like this next mm -hmm. move of God is really a holiness movement. We're going to recover holiness. And I know that holiness sort of sometimes has a, it's, it's become almost a bad word in some churches, you know, in, in, in some ways, because we always think about it as external rules. I think that, I think Bethel's been really good about saying it's not about the external rules, you know, and, um, I think I see holiness and I, I haven't done a study on this. This is just something that's been on my heart for the, the last year or so is, um, is the, is the uh, Deuteronomy six, where it says, you know, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And I think that if we, if we, if our heart is undivided and we love him in that way, then all of those things are sort of squeezed out by that love. Yeah. Different. And, um, and I, but I, I love you said something in particular because you said something about holiness mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear your view on holiness. And I, and, um, and, and what a holiness movement would sort of look like. And, um, and I'd love to hear, you said something about desperate times call for desperate measures. I think that we're right there. Yeah. Well, you know, I, everything you said, I would echo, like I came up, 
you know, in a movement that holiness was, uh, was explained by the rules you keep. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, you know, outward inward kind of holiness where you were expected to behave a certain way and talk a certain way. And probably, probably I've had some rebellion against that in, in a way I, I don't do, I'm not a good rule keeping person. So probably <laughs> so, but you know, the truth is just what you said, like a true holiness comes from the heart, comes from the inside out. And so, you know, I felt so much like, that's why I felt when the Lord spoke to me about don't cuss, I feel like when he said that to me, he actually gave me grace to change. And something that, you know, was pretty habitual in my life just went away. Like it just dissolved. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's, well, that was easy. <laughs> I wish everything in my life was that easy. Right. Right. And I do believe that we are in desperate times. And I, I think that's, you know, part, that's partly relate, related to, you know, the, the unleashed part. I think it was my daughter who said, I, um, she said, I seldom fail because I either win or I, or, or I learn from what, from my failure. So I saw them mm. something like that. And, and I feel like, Hey, we've been through some tough seasons, but the goal of those trials is for us to test our faith and to also um, learn from our mistakes. But I want to get to this last thing. And I, okay. and I, and I, I'm, I, uh, because for the last uh, probably a couple of years, I have felt like I've heard the Lord saying that he uh, wanted to rebuild the family altar. But um, but I have felt I have felt very strongly that God wants to rebuild the family and restore the family altar, especially the family altar of worship. And and sometimes when things get so bad and the enemy comes in so strong in one way, it actually is speaking to what God is doing, because mm -hmm. from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. What that is, is a uh, it's a pattern that happens all throughout scripture from the garden to revelation where God begins to do something and the enemy comes in like a flood. So um, I heard you say something about families and restoring families. So can you talk about that, Chris? Can you tell us what you're hearing from the Lord on that? And then um, and then you can uh, then then I think that we should minister to families. I think there's a lot of brokenness in families right now. Yeah. Well, I just wrote a book called Uprising, the, the epic battle for the most fathers generation in history. So, and we are uh, Americans. We are the most fathers generation in the history of America, at least since they've been keeping statistics, in which our fathers are alive but not home. And so um, the Lord has really ministered to me and to us through the what we're now calling the Malachi mandate where Malachi says in the last days, I'm going to send Elijah, the prophet, he's going to restore the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. At least I cite the, at least I smite the nation with a curse. And, you know, we look back and why is it Elijah, the prophet? Well, Elijah entered the cave chased by Jezebel as a lonely prophet who was leading what was called the company of the prophets. And he encounters God in the cave running from uh, Jezebel and, and he leaves the cave as a father of the sons of the prophets. He becomes, he goes from, he comes, he moves from a prophet who has the company of prophets, a lonely prophet to the sons of the prophet, to a father of the sons of the prophets. And 
um, the first thing that he did to see um, the restoration of Israel was he rebuilt the altar. He rebuilt the altar. He called down fire and fire consumed the altar, but he rebuilt the altar. It doesn't say he built an altar. It says he rebuilt the altar. So what happens when you lose fathers in homes and you're only raised by, you know, amazing mothers? Well, we doesn't matter how amazing your mother is or how amazing your father is. Mothers and fathers are not interchangeable. And so you you end up with children who lack identity and to the place where they don't even know if they're a male or a female. And then you you know, you what happens when you feminize a whole culture is that you create a culture where you elevate feelings above facts and feelings above truth. And you end up saying, well, it's my truth. Uh, my truth is I feel like I'm a woman, although I was born a biological man. And therefore, I need to transition to what I feel instead of what I fact. And all of these things are creating, wreaking havoc on our children to the place where epi the epidemic in today's culture is not COVID. It is suicide. Suicide's number one killer among children right now. And we're, we're finding that violence is everywhere. What happens when you take healthy fathers out of a home is you elevate violence. In fact, right now, uh, nine, uh, I'm sorry, 87% of all um, prisoners in prison right now in America uh, grew up without a father, grew up in fatherless homes. Um, so you just have all these statistical data that says our, the dysfunction of our country is coming from the, the fact that the family altar is destroyed it's burnt down. It's broken. And you can have all these social programs. You can say, well, love means that you never tell someone anything hurtful. You never tell anyone the truth. Love is, you know, agreeing with what somebody says about themselves. I'm like, that's, that's, that's craziness. And uh, the truth is, is that um, love sometimes uh, telling people the truth and love is sometimes the only way they get well. So, we're, you know, we, we have a smell of my mandate and we really believe that God is right now on our country calling men back home and restoring the family. And we're super excited about it. Before we go, would you would you pray for families? Would you pray for parents and uh, and whatever's on your heart? And then we'll close this out. And thank you so much for being my guest today. That's great. Lord, I just pray right now for this Malachi mandate. We pray. You said you're going to send the spirit of Elijah and he's going to restore the hearts of fathers to sons and daughters and the hearts of sons and daughters to fathers. And Lord, I thank you for the divine migration home. And I pray that mothers and children would re prepare for the reentry of fathers and that the hearts of fathers would be so receptive to repentance and restoration and also the responsibility of a family. And I release that over every broken home right now and over every broken heart, over every broken child, over every broken marriage. And I pray, God, that this would be that this season in history would be marked as the greatest season of the migration of fathers back into the homes and the restoration of homes, the restoration of fatherhood, the restoration of family. And you would break the cycle of violence being done to innocent children the transgendering of children, 
even the the uh, homosexual movement that has so exploded, Lord, we break the power of perversion yes, and we release the righteousness of Jesus Christ into homes. God bless you. Thank you, Amen. Karen. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week on Move Forward with Dr. Kim Moss. Love you. Thank you for joining us for the Move Forward podcast. We would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend. You can connect with Dr. Kim on social media. For those links and more, visit her website, kimmoss.com. Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and The Four Questions. You can find those books on Amazon. Remember, never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.